Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas season, at least, right? You might not be fully ready for Christmas or say Merry Christmas today, but I'm glad that you're here and that you've chosen to join us, everyone in the room and everyone who may be watching on Facebook, live, online, want to welcome you as well as we begin December with a new teaching series. We begin December with the lighting of our first Advent candle, the candle of hope. Everything looks beautiful, and of course, everywhere you go, It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Come on, everybody now. Nope, no, just kidding. Let's not do that. (laughs) I've I've butchered it enough for, for all of us this morning. But this is the season, right, where we begin to see decorations all over the place. We get to see the endless Christmas television specials that have already begun. And we get to enjoy holiday food and drinks, and it's a wonderful time of the year for a lot of people. And as it is said, tis the season. Well, I I didn't quite know where that phrase came from, and so I did what everyone does with everything. I googled it and found some interesting things about it in 1862. 1862, the, the song decked the halls was translated into English for the very first time, and inside of that song, the phrase, tis the season, appeared for the first time. Pretty interesting, huh? And since then, it's kind of become a cue or an identifier for the things we do around the holiday season, places we go, traditions that we adhere to, so you can fill in the blank and say, tis the season for... Whatever it is that you like to do on the holiday season, whatever you associate the holidays with, it's tis the season. But for us and our purposes here on Sunday mornings throughout the month of December, we have said for the church, tis the season. It is the season for light. And Christmas and light are associated in a lot of different ways. We like to light fires and sit by fires and sing songs about fires, and we light candles, and we decorate our trees, and we light the Christmas trees, and we put lights on our roofs and on our businesses, and we go to displays of lights because it's pretty, and Christmas and lights just seem to go together. And what we want to do is we want to pause and take a few quiet moments to push everything else around the busy month of December out of the picture and say, let's focus in and see what Scripture tells us about light. What does the Bible have to say to us this morning? And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to read about the story of the birth of Jesus. We're going to do that. But we're going to read it in an account that is a little less popular. And I only say it's less popular because it's not the account that you would open in the Bible and read to your kids around Christmas time. It's not the account that Linus 
reads in the Charlie Brown Christmas special to refocus everybody's attention on the true meaning of Christmas. That account is found in Luke, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And Luke and Matthew both give a historical narrative of the story of Jesus, the events leading up to it and surrounding it. Well, we're going to be hanging out with the Apostle John and in his gospel. And he presents the birth of Jesus a little bit differently because he presents Jesus philosophically. And John, the book of John, is one of my favorite in Scripture. It's my favorite gospel to read because of the unique way in which he presents Jesus, much differently than the other gospels do. So John's primary purpose was to prove, to show that Jesus was the Messiah and he was the Son of God. And so he went about things a little differently. And we're going to pick up and we're going to read his prologue that sets up his entire book. But before we do that, I wanted to give you a heads up. So when we read this, John refers to Jesus as the Word. And so when you see the phrase, the Word, in the book of John, it's going to be capitalized. And just know when you see that, he's referring to Jesus. And so here we go. In John chapter 1. It reads, the word, there we go, Jesus gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought, there's our word, light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, so this is a different John. So John, the apostle, is writing about John the Baptist. So don't get those two confused. He sent a man named John the Baptist to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. All right, John, we get it. (laughs) You think he's trying to tell us something here? Yeah, I think he refers to Jesus and thinks of Jesus as the light. Well, then we go down a few verses later, John chapter 1 and verse 14, and here is John's account of the birth of Jesus. So the Word, there it is again, so Jesus, the Word became human, he put on flesh, and he made his home among us. That's it. No angels we have heard on high, no silent night, no away in a manger, no mention of a star. It'd be really hard to write a Christmas carol based on John's account of the birth of Jesus. But here's what we do learn from John. Tis the season for light. It is the season for Jesus. And this is what we can learn from John, and this is very good news for every person here, which leads us to our big idea for today. And here's the good news. The advent of Jesus allows us to choose hope over disbelief. Well, maybe you're here or listening today, and you would say, well, it's not really that I, that I don't believe it. No, it's fine for you. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I've just investigated this a little bit, and I've decided that it's not true. 
for me. And I'm not telling you you're wrong, it's just it's, it's good for you, but it's not for me. And I'm glad you're here, because I think there's going to be something for you as we look through the accounts of Jesus as found in a couple of different places. And if nothing else, I think you'll enjoy some of the, the historical context of some of this. So even if you're here and you completely don't believe, I think there's still going to be some, at least some interesting things to, to learn. Or maybe you would say, maybe I need to choose hope over despair. And perhaps you would say, it's not that I, I don't believe. I, you may actually believe, but it's just too much. You, you don't know what my life is. You don't know what I have done the things that have been done to me. And even if all of this is true, Jesus can't even help me. And you're just kind of in this state of despair, and I'm glad you're here because I think there's going to be some encouraging words for you. Or maybe today you need to choose hope over indifference. You would just say, I, I really don't care. <laughs> I mean, Jesus might be who he said he was. Maybe he's not. If you want to believe, that's fine. I, I'm just not even going to care. Maybe you're here because of someone else and you just appeased somebody this morning. And that's fine. And I'm glad you're here. And I hope that you'll find some interesting information that will show you that it does matter. It does matter for you, for everyone. And then lastly, maybe you're here and you need to choose hope over discouragement. And yes, I believe in Jesus, and I've put my faith and my trust in him, but man, life, whew, life sure has kicked me around a little bit here lately, and I just don't believe like I once did, or I believe, but the passion just isn't there anymore. I'm glad you're here, and my hope is that you will be encouraged today because there isn't a single person here, myself included, that doesn't need to be encouraged from time to time, if not weekly, about our faith and to strengthen our faith and to be around others who can do that. So wherever you are in that range of hope and decision-making, my hope is that you would engage with us today, that you would open your hearts, open your minds, and just see what God has for you because I believe, and I, I believe this is true of every single week here, that you're not here by accident. You didn't just stumble in here by coincidence and there's nothing else to it. And I don't believe that God has something for us. I think God has something for you individually for me because I know I've learned a lot just from studying through some of this. So sit back, enjoy. We're going to open scripture and we're going to read its claims. And I've done a lot of research and study around a lot of what we're going to talk about. I'm going to share some of that to put some, some depth and some context around what we're going to read. Hopefully you'll find this interesting. And then ultimately, you're encouraged to choose hope this morning. So what we find from our opening paragraph in John, what we let, read about Jesus being the light in the darkness, there's two things, there's two truths that just 
fall right out of this paragraph that I think is worth us discussing and wrestling with today. And the first thing we find, and we're going to use these as our thinking points, is this. The world is a dark place. The world is a dark place. It would be difficult to argue against that when you look around and see some of the things that are happening, not just in the world, way out there, in the world right around us. There is darkness. And it didn't take long after God's original creation, his perfection, that darkness entered into the scope of the world through sin. And it was humanity's own fault. Sin was introduced. Darkness becomes a reality in a perfect creation, and it snowballs into a very negative effect on the human condition. And it gets so bad that we find a very sad paragraph in Scripture found in Genesis chapter 6. And it reads this, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw everything that they thought, everything they, they even imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth, and it broke his heart. Have you ever had your heart broken by someone who you loved and held dear? Well, then you can relate to how God felt in this moment after he had poured all into this creation and even gave this particular creation his image. And they had completely turned and rejected God's hope and his grace. However, God and his grace preserved humanity. So instead of complete annihilation, which he would have been within, entirely within his right to do so as the creator, he preserved a family. Noah found favor with God. God takes his family, sends a worldwide flood to destroy everyone else, and says, we're going to begin new. Noah, you have found favor. Let's start this thing again and try to do a better job with all of this. But unfortunately, that did not occur. And even soon after, within Noah's own family, discord would, would, would come into their family, and Noah would end up cursing one of his own sons, which would cause a divide in the family, and as they repopulated the earth, dissension, darkness, a reoccurring epidemic throughout all human history. There became, once again, darkness in motives. There was darkness within relationships. There was darkness in their one's concern for their fellow human being. And not much has changed, right? We look around and there's violence, there's war, there's, there's struggle for power, there's a hunger to gain wealth and success at the expense of other people. Selfishness 
This describes each of us when left on our own. This is the nature of the human condition. We travel toward darkness. And the world can be a very dark and frightful place. It really can. There's disease. There's sickness. There's all sorts of natural disasters. All very depressing stuff, right? Merry Christmas. Let's, let's dismiss and go home. I hope you've been encouraged today. Well, that's the bad news, all right? So let's, let's, let's throw out the bad news because there is good news, and it's the second truth that falls out of what John presents, and it is this. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. John says his life brought light to who? To everyone. Zechariah, a prophet in the Old Testament, he was the father of John the Baptist, the the John in which John wrote about in his opening prologue. So John the Baptist and Jesus were born around the same time, and John the Baptist's father said this, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness. So not just John, this was recorded in Luke, said by Zechariah, and there are many others, apostles, followers of Jesus, men and women who lived in that day who claimed the same things that Jesus was the only hope for a dark world. And here we find. But what did Jesus say about himself? What did he claim about himself? And in John chapter 8, we we find a a stunning proclamation, a self-proclamation from Jesus. And here it is. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life, to salvation. The Pharisees, the the church, the, the religious leaders of that time who did not believe in Jesus replied, you are making those claims about yourself, which wasn't allowed in those days. This testimony is not valid. Okay, Jesus told them, well, actually, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself, for I know where I come from and where I am going. So here's what's so interesting about this statement that Jesus makes. Even when you read it within the context of the surrounding verses, this this proclamation seems to come out of the blue. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Jesus just, I'm the light of the world. And as you read this, you're like, okay, you know, he said it. Why are so many people upset by this? Another reason why I appreciate John's writings, and I mentioned he presents things differently as the the other gospels do. John documents the ministry of Jesus based on the Jewish calendar of festivals and feasts. So it's because of John's record of Jesus's ministry that a lot of the other gospels fit 
and we can, we can kind of determine where things fit into the ministry of Jesus, and it's how we know how long the ministry of Jesus was, because he, he precisely documents when things occurred. And as we study the, the book of John, we find that Jesus was in Jerusalem at the temple of worship during the, what was known as the Feast of Tabernacles. So this was a traditional Jewish festival. And here's what's more important, is that this was a pilgrimage festival, which meant every Jewish person, no matter where they lived, would have to travel to Jerusalem. Everyone traveled to Jerusalem so that they could properly make their sacrifices physically at the temple. And that this was a, a harvest festival, so they would thank God for his provisions, but not just for his current provisions. They would remember his past provisions and how he took the nation of Israel and protected them and preserved them through history. And this festival is about a week long, so they would come and they would stay in Jerusalem for a whole week. And then, if you study these ancient uh, practices, you'll find that at the conclusion of this week-long festival... There would be giant lanterns, giant lamps that would be lit within the temple. And pious men would light torches and they would dance through the night and sing praises and prayers to God, thanking him for his provision. And here is what is said about these festivities. The light from the temple area would be so intense that its glow would be seen all over Jerusalem. So it's within this context that Jesus says, you see that? You see this? Jerusalem is illuminated for the world to see. It, it can be seen from miles. I am that for the world. For the world. And it's not just a light. It's not just a physical light. It's a spiritual light that leads to life to salvation. So why was this such a, a, a big deal to those hearing it? So his crowd in particular would have been cued to a couple of things. They would have immediately picked up on two primary things. The first thing is this. There would have been a direct correlation made between Jesus' words and the famous words God spoke to Moses in his self-description of I am. So when Jesus calls Moses to save the people of Israel, Moses says, well, who should I say sent me? And God says, tell them I am sent you. And so this is why many religious leaders accused Jesus of blasphemy and wanted him arrested because traditionally understood it, I am, is a claim to divinity. So John, remember his purpose was to show that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, so he it would make sense that he would record this account. Jesus' own claim to divinity. The other thing that would have been cued was this. The light metaphor is steeped in Old Testament allusions. The nation of Israel followed a pillar of light through the wilderness. What's that about? Let's check that out. So in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, it says this. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. And then what? He provided light at night with a pillar of fire. 
So pay attention to the word uses here. The Lord went ahead of them and he guided them. Now check this out. In Matthew, going back to the account of Jesus' birth. And the star they had seen in the east, it guided them. Talking about the wise men. It guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. I don't know about for you, but this is kind of a really cool thing to me. And we point this out all of the time in our teachings at Valley Point is that there is a common thread throughout the entirety of Scripture. And we find in Exodus, the Lord going ahead of his people and he's guiding them. Thousands of years later, we find, Jesus, or we find God guiding them and going ahead of them Guiding them with light to the light of the world. This is awesome. This common thread is found all throughout Scripture. So what can we do with all of this information? What can we distill from all of this? And I believe there are two statements that I'm going to present that as we have read scripture, demand our attention. They demand some kind of answer, and we must wrestle with these two things on our own, individually. So the first thing I'm going to encourage you to do is this, as our first takeaway, choose hope. You are circling back around to that big idea. Whatever it is you are wrestling with today, you can choose hope. And your hope needs to be in the light of the world because we all put our hope in something. Everybody does. If nothing else, it's in yourself. You know, I hope I got this thing figured out right. I hope I'm right in the way I'm thinking about all of this spiritual stuff. So I'm going to put my faith and my hope in myself that I have this thing figured out. Or we put our hope in our intellect. We put our hope in our finances, in our ability to achieve and to gain wealth. We put our hope in individuals, in our family. But the problem with all of those things is that they can go away swiftly. And then what is our hope left with? When our hope is in Jesus, the light of the world it never fades. It never goes away. So our faith can be secure in the hope of Jesus. Whether you're wrestling with disbelief or, or indifference or despair or discouragement, know today it's never too late to choose hope. So we have to wrestle with that. And then secondly, if, yeah, I choose hope. I'm good to go. Well, here's a challenge for you. Then share hope. If you're confident in your hope, share hope with others because we have found the hope of the world. Here's what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 5. You are. So he's not saying I am anymore. Jesus puts a little shift here and says, now you are the light of the world. 
Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden in the same way, let your good deeds shine. Shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus had a very unique way of challenging his followers. When his disciples even were around him, he would present things, do things for them, and then would say, all right, I have been a servant, now you go be a servant. I have washed your feet, now go wash the feet of others. Go do these things that I have been doing. And as Jesus gathered his disciples one final time before his ascension back to heaven, it was his final instructions to them. He said, I'm, I'm leaving. I have to leave the earth, but I'm really not gone because you're here. So now you go. You go and make disciples. Last week, we learned about the apostle Peter. Jesus said, I have become a fisher for men. Now, Peter, you go and be a fisher for men. As Tracy mentioned earlier, as you came in, you found an invite card sitting on your seat. Go ahead and grab that, locate that, look at that. This card is not for you. It's not there for you. You're already here. You, you made it. So what I want you to do is take a moment and just think in your mind, visualize who this card needs to be extended into the hand of, the person who needs to be beside you. Maybe it's somebody you live with. Maybe it's somebody you go to school with. Maybe it's someone you work with, someone you see in the grocery store, wherever you shop this holiday season. Extend the invite. Because Jesus says to us now, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill. We have found the light, so let's share it with everybody. Let's invite them in to all of this and see what God can do in their lives. So I have one last verse that I want to read for us as a final prayer for today a blessing for all of us of encouragement. And then after I share that verse, we're going to watch a video that we compiled together, and it describes the Christmas offering initiative for our church in 2019. But before we watch that, let me read this for all of us. It comes from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And this is my prayer. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy, completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you, you won't just be filled, you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.